0: Welcome to season three of the Fall Guys podcast, where we continue to document the stories of those who have made Wisconsin football what it is. My name is Tommy Shinsky of Onalaska High School, and my co host is Matt Kimmis from DeForest. Thank you for joining us. Throw Deep Publishing is back as a lead sponsor of season three of the Fall Guys podcast. Check out www.throwdeeppublishing for all of your coaching needs, including the slot T offense and 101 offensive plays from each of the college football playoff teams. Get all of that and more at Throw Deep Publishing. Remember, use the promo code Guys 20 to get 20% off any order from ThrowDeepPublishing.com. Welcome on this week's episode of the WFCA Fall Guys podcast. We talked to former NFL guard, including seven years with the Green Bay Packers, Mike Wall. Mike, tell us about your football journey. How did you find yourself as a, a lineman from the Naval Academy, ending up as a 10-year NFL vet?
1: Hey, you shortened me a year, 11 years, man.
0: 11 years? Blame <laughs> that on pro football. Pro football focus or pro football reference well, that, here is my source. I'll tell you what, well, if,
1: if you blame anything on pro football focus, man, that's one of the – that's we were just talking offline about useless, non-contextualized information, how people use it to weaponize bad um, – bad opinions and, and pro football folks is probably top on my list uh but to answer your question you know it was it was interesting i was i was a i wasn't a football player when i was growing up i was a basketball uh soccer baseball player and i was a left-handed tall lanky left-handed pitcher and i could throw heat when i was young so when i came up i, I was at a small mountain town Lake Arrowhead, california which Rim remember the world high school it's like division eight in California, which division one's like big division eight is not like, I think division eight is right above eight, man. And, uh, it was just kind of decided that I was going to be a quarterback when I got to high school. But the problem was I couldn't throw, I just couldn't throw a football. I look at, it was like, God, was going duck hunting every time I, I let, I let it rip. So I ended up playing a really, really poor version of quarterback for a number of years in high school and then my senior year, halfway through my junior year, my senior year, I, I ended up playing tight end. Didn't really get a ton of looks. You know, I just assumed when I was growing up that I was going to go to USC or UC on you know, one of these big, these big Pac back 10 back then schools. Nobody wanted me. I was in a small school. I was a nobody and I, I wasn't a very good football player to be, you know, be honest with you in, in high school. Charlie Weatherby and his staff were new to the Naval Academy. Um I had really good grades. And it just it just kind of worked out that they found me. They liked the limited tape they saw at tight end. So I get to the Naval Academy and Paul Johnson, who um, you know, was a Georgia Tech head coach, Georgia Southern and Naval Academy head coach later on. Um, he was the master of the option offense, the wing T option offense. And and uh it just turns out that I I got in, I went to boot camp. I lost thirty pounds in boot camp and you know, running around all day. I got fed one peanut butter and jelly sandwich a day. And and uh so I I get over to the football arena at about two hundred and five pounds and uh it turns out they don't have a tight end in this offense anymore. So so now I'm playing blocking wide receiver for a year. So my, my real journey, I guess, the, the most ridiculous, I, I don't know how many NFL offensive linemen started their college careers as wide receivers, but I, I think it's got to be a pretty short list. Um, I was very lucky to go into a program that had just really good coaches and human beings around. Um, starting maybe first and foremost with the strength conditioning coach at the time, Phil Emery, who was, um, the general manager for the bears later on. He works with the Atlanta Falcons. He's, um, he, he just had an incredible impact on my life as far as kind of instilling really disciplined work ethic and an understanding of like what you could get out of the weight room and how that could propel you and all the other aspects of football. And, uh, I got really lucky, man. You know, I got, I got Rod Wolf. Kind of liked what he saw. Ron Wolf from the area in Annapolis, and and he just you know uh, between him and and you know long story sh- you know shorter is is Bill Belichick was was uh, his dad Steve Belichick had worked at the Naval Academy. He had a desk there, and at the time you know Gravashe Soley he was he was work- he was probably in there a couple days a week. He saw me. He called he called Bill. Bill called his agent Neil Cornrich. Neil Cornrich came down and bought me an ice cream cone and told me that he wanted to work with me. Uh, and then Ron Wolf ended up liking you know he had Max Lane uh, he had a couple other guys uh, years before and he liked academy guys and so he took a chance on me in the second round and and uh, it was pretty rough at first to be honest with you man because I was in the I was coming from a, an option offense that I had no experience taking NFL pass sets or anything and uh, you know if we wanted to talk about stories of the first couple. My first couple of days as a Green Bay Packer, it was uh, it was it was very humbling. But all that work ethic and everything that got instilled for me at a young age from my parents, and then it reinforced at the Naval Academy with those great coaches. Um, yeah, made it made
0: a career out of it. That's an awesome story. You know, you talk about other wide receivers. The other, the only other guy that comes to my mind is the the Villanueva, on Alejandro Villanueva from yeah, Pittsburgh, Yeah, yeah. the six you know six nine whatever he was starts out at Army again, another service Academy guy. Uh, and, and he made, you know, he had a pretty long career. Uh, I think he's still playing in the NFL.
1: Yeah, he was last year. I I, I can't remember where he is this year, but yeah, he, he was still, I mean, gosh, he, he had a really nice career for himself, particularly with this, the Steelers until, until, you know, recently everybody gets old, but that, there's another guy who's just, you could just tell a guy tries to do it the right way all the time.
0: Yeah. So when you first got to the Packers and, mm-hmm. and it's those first days of camp 90, is it 98, I believe? Yeah. Um, who 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 are those D tackles at that point that are you know oh. you're talking about pass setting. who are those guys that are just you, giving you the business? Yeah, so pass I'll, I'll
1: kind of I'll, I'll kind of give you the first day of rundown, right? So I signed, so I'm in a supplemental draft pick, so I, I don't have any mini camps or anything, and then I, my my agent wants me to hold out. I hold out for like three weeks over like uh, some language in the contract has to do with like uh, an, an additional year. So he wanted like a three year deal instead of a four. So Mike Holmgren's the coach at the time. So I walk out, I get my helmet on, and I put myself on for the first time. I'm literally the happiest I've ever been in my life, right? I didn't know I was going to be a you know, Green Bay Packer, for God's sakes. They had just come off two Super Bowl appearances. So I go out there, and Mike Holmgren's like, hey, Mike, come here. And, did you did you like everything? Did you, did you get everything you wanted? And I go, oh, yeah. And I start to answer him, like, hey, thanks, coach. And he just starts MFing me, just lays into me. You stupid son of a bitch. I could have paid, you know, blah, 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 blah. You're not playing this year. Go, you know, go, you know, get your ass over the offensive line. Tom Lavatt comes over, his offensive line coach. He just kind of looks at me. He's like, well, Mike's, you know, coach pretty mad. You know, I don't, I'm going to have to, you know, coach the guys that are starting, just try to pick up some, or that are going to play. Mike's not going to play this year. Try to pick up some stuff from Frank Winters and Jeff Donbach, the vets, right? So the first day, because I haven't been there, they didn't know anything about me. I don't, even, they don't even know if I can get in the stance. Because again, option offense and Navy. So they line up in one on ones. Everyone's seen one on one pass pro between offensive and defensive linemen. So they line me up and they just, Tom and Mike, they just say, Hey, you're the only one going today. <laughs> so I get in this right handed stance at guard and like literally the, it was murderous road. <laughs> it was, uh, let's see, it was Santana Dotson, Gilbert Brown, uh, Bonnie Holiday, Vaughn Booker, Reggie White, <laughs> Billy Lyon. Um, jonathan what was jonathan jonathan's last name Uh, i can't remember now but he was the third round draft pick from tennessee and i had to go through like two or three times and like santana's doing his double swipe gilbert's throwing me over reggie's just picking me up me throwing me out of the way i mean i didn't i didn't win a single i mean when i say i didn't win a single rep i didn't win a single rep out of like 16 reps and i remember uh, i remember uh Ron Wolf said in the paper or something like real nice, like he might be just a little bit too quick, like my fo- saying my foot, basically say my footwork sucked, right? But he said right. it in a nice way. But yeah, I was that I was a that was a, that was a real humbling experience, man. That was fun. That was a fun day for me.
0: That's an awesome list of names. I, I remember watching those guys on TV growing up and whatnot. Throughout your journey, who are the mentors that gave you that break? Or you know, you talk about Frank Winters and Jeff Dalenbach and kind of the guys. Who are the guys that when you got there really mentored you and and showed you the ropes and how to be a pro. Oh, that's a good question. So at, at the pro level, you know,
1: I don't think Frank would think he's my mentor, but I kind of really looked up to Frank Winters. He was like a 15 year guy at the time. He had been centered, you know, during the Super Bowl years. He was just a real, just really, really cerebral player, a high level thinker. He He's a guy that could install, you know, like I remember one day in my rookie year, it was a Friday and we were doing a red zone install. and. And Holmgren, he could kind of sense that everybody was, you know, just kind of going through the motion. So he just called Frank up and had Frank install red zone against like against like the Chicago Bears, like against a real team, you know. And Frank like did all the install, all the routes, all the all the passing game, all the run game, and then was like literally calling out like, "Hey, Brett, remember when you threw a pick against so and so on this exact play last year? Ha ha ha! You know, I mean, he was that kind of thinker and." it kind of showed me, like, man, I really don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like, I had no – like, when you talk about, you know, you kind of stay in your lane and know your role. But to be a pro, to be a really good player, you got to know what everybody's doing all the time, all what the defensive rotation, all that stuff. And I just realized, like, real fast, like, man, he is way ahead of where I need to be – or, excuse me, where I am now, and that's where I need to get to. And then the other guy, Jeff Dellenbach, because, again, I when I say I didn't get any coaching that year – Tom Levite was very upfront with me. He's, like, I'm not going to coach you this year because Mike doesn't want you to play. Now later on in the year, I, I kind of won Mike back over because I worked hard. But you had that Naval Academy in you. But uh, Jeff Dallenbach just every once in a while would just like throw me a, like a nugget because I was always I was always playing hard, but not. I was like that guy who was working really really hard. I would getting you know I getting pushing contests and I I tried to knock everybody on their on their ass, but I also didn't know what the hell I was doing. So from like Santana Dotson, Gilbert Brown. They're kind of going through the vet jog, and I'm out here like trying to take their helmets off. And it, it was, uh, it, I look back and I go, I, they must have really hated me <laughs> that first year.
0: How how did you get uh, released from your service from the Naval Academy? How'd that work out that you didn't, or, or did you have to go do Because it's four years. Oh, no, I got really, I just had, had to pay.
1: Yeah, I had to pay off money. I didn't graduate. So I left after my junior year. So I, gotcha. so I, didn't, okay. I, I ended up not graduating. Yeah. So it, I, like I said, it kind of worked out the best that it could have.
0: Okay. Um, so you've been a part of the Army-Navy game, part of the NFL mm-hmm. playoffs, Packer-Bear rivalry. Compare those two experiences. What What is it like, you know, Army-Navy compared to NFL playoffs? I've, I've been to Army-Navy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm an Air Force vet, so I, I wanted to go to Army-Navy. I thought it was one of the best weekends of my life. I just thought the game itself and the surrounding environment was awesome. But compare yeah. that to like an NFL playoff game and, and the energy in those two venues. Oh, that's
1: well, so it's there's the there's the kind of, there's the stadium perspective, which I don't know that anything rivals the Army Navy game as far as like a fan experience. Like I, I'd say you probably hit the jackpot, you know, maybe it, maybe like an AFC NFC championship game in the right in like Pittsburgh and Green Bay, one of those places, maybe Seattle. But as far as the fan experience go, I don't think there's any, because like when you're in the army Navy game, you look up at the, at the, you know, the, 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 uh, the electronic billboard and every time out there's like, you know, some army base in Iraq has just put out this like beat Navy, uh, commercial, or, you know, they got like a, they got some guys on a carrier like pulling pranks on the army or the army dudes like, that kind of stuff, and just the fact that everybody across the globe is watching it, they're tuning in, they're excited, and you know it's like half the stadium's army, half the stadium's navy, right down the middle. President sitting on one side, first half; the other side, the second half. The whole march in, all of it, like it's real. Like the pomp and circumstance surrounding it is really cool, and it's important for the, the the players to win. I think a lot of the stuff that you hear about, yeah, they're going to go on over brothers in arms and everything, like that is true. Um, I think in the moment you're just trying to win a football game. Like you're just trying like hell to win a football game, right? Um so for me, like the NFL playoff experience was for me, that was my dream. And that was next level from a player's experience. But I I, I couldn't sit here and tell you that, you know, if I was a fan, you say which one do you want to go to. I probably hit the Navy game, man, because it was uh it, it's quite it's quite a good time.
0: And the stadium was full three hours prior to the game. You know, because oh. you got March on and it is, I mean, just full, It's. It, I compared it to a, a class reunion because everybody there knows each other, it seems like, everybody yeah. that went to the academy. Well, the
1: tailgate, I never got to tailgate, but, the, like, the tailgating stories are what, like, one of my friends will tell me now, they'll go, and they'll, the tailgating stories are insane because they go by every, like, every class, every five years, so, like, 2000, 2005, 2010, you know, going all the way back, have these huge, massive tents on both sides, Army and Navy. And there's just, you can go around, you could be there for, it's like going to the damn Jimmy Buffett concert. You could go there for eight hours and never see the same person twice, you know, go to all these different, have a great time. So I it's, think it's an amazing experience for sure.
0: It's a good thing that game starts at 2 30 and not seven. Cause if it started at seven, I think those tailgates, people would be into rough shape. I was in
1: the, uh, I was at the, there was, a, they played a game in Jersey at Giant Stadium. And uh, I remember that the, the in the front row, I think it was, I think it was Navy guys, it, but the, the railing broke and like a bunch of people fell, you know? And I remember, I just think we were all kind of thinking the same thing. Like it must've been boozing pretty heavy to break that railing because <laughs> it's been around for a while, you know?
0: So with your playing career behind you now, what are you up to? How do you, how do you stay busy? Uh, is, uh, you know, <clears throat> former, former NFL guy and whatnot, but you guys stay mm-hmm. busy. There's life after football. What are you doing?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I went into finance for years, um, and I just – I missed – I wanted to be around sports again. I had two young kids that were kind of coming up. They were interested in athlete, athletics. I went back, and I worked for the Miami Dolphins for four years. I worked as a, a coach, a performance – I was I, – I had had my um, my CSCS. I was a certified strength conditioning specialist um, about the same time. I got, I got that certification and started working in that arena about the same time I retired. I was training athletes during my playing days, and I, I, I kind of kept doing that as I moved into the financial world, I wanted to get back into sports. So I became a skill development specialist ultimately with the with the Miami Dolphins. Then I started a, a business where I, I now work with, with pro athletes and aspiring athletes on uh, through process to perform That's the name of my company, process2perform.com. But we work with athletes on uh, really the, the kind of the core fundamentals of being successful, whether it's sports or otherwise. But for me, it's it's technical mastery, mindset, development and ownership decisions. So we have programs that we go through depending on what level you're at, if you're soccer, basketball, football, if you're a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, if you're a professional. We have we have uh, some some different avenues and opportunities to kind of help you elevate and reach your ceiling.
0: And how, do, how about your podcast? You started that with Amon Green. It's called uh, On My Block. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's kind of what drew me to, to get you on as a guest, is, that, is listening and just loved your breakdowns on Twitter. How did you guys come up with that idea? So I have been doing a podcast.
1: Uh, a process to perform like player development podcast uh, for a couple of years. And again, like I, when I say I watch film, cause I have professional athletes as clients, I've watched film all day, you know, and I started thinking, man, it's, it's, why are we not just talking about this more? And, and, and somebody approached us as uh, do, you, do you want to do a show? And I said, well, I'll do a show, but I don't want to produce it. You know, I just want to, I just want to break down film and talk about it. And, and Amon was willing to, uh, was as soon as I, we hadn't talked in a couple of years, but we were obviously teammates for years and, you know, love each other. So when, when they contacted us both, they said, of course, we'll do this. And I, um, we, I think initially we were just kind of talking just like all of the other shows, just kind of talking about sports. And, and I just, I'm always on the, I'm always on the, the iPad. I'm always on the Exos breaking down film. And I said, well, we should, we, nobody's breaking down film, like at, at a really high level, we should just start doing that. And, uh, so, yeah, so I just started I, – I usually spend a couple hours every uh, Sunday night, Monday morning, just putting together some some clips so that, you know, fans – you know, you see all these experts out there, but we're talking about it off air. You know, I think it's fun. I, I enjoy things when I just have a pretty good understanding of what's, what they're what other teams are trying to accomplish, right? Like, we're, if I'm watching basketball, soccer, like, when I understand tactically what they're trying to do and kind of where my eyes should go, not just watch the ball, I I, I enjoy the experience more. So we're trying to give that to as many people as we can
0: that's awesome i look forward to you know next year obviously the packers are done right now but i look forward to more of those coming up next year or anything you put out in the off season so well, on don't, my block- don't
1: don't forget ch- check out block party because i do it on the youtube channel as well so process okay. to perform the process to perform channel i just did one yesterday about the Green Bay packers run game and just breaking down the differences between them and say philly and san francisco areas of opportunity to develop from a scheme and personnel standpoint so we'll be putting out content all year you know especially with the block party stuff i'll I'll dive into some different teams, some specific players, but I think it's fun if you're out there, if you're just interested in learning more about the sport and learning how, you know, ex-athletes, coaches, development guys, how they think about the game. Yeah, it's just a fun way to kind of brush up in 20 or 30 minutes or less.
0: And we'll put the, the link to the YouTube channel in our show notes. So anybody listening, you want to jump on and not have to search for it. Um, it'll, it'll be in there. What's your greatest football memory that has nothing to do with wins or losses? Might be a, might be a Brett Favre story. It seems like I always, somebody always has a Brett Favre story. We had, uh, we had Dylan Chimura on um, at one point, And he told us one about, about when, when his dad was playing, obviously and, and, and Brett, but what's your favorite football story, football memory?
1: Well, my favorite memory is not going to have Brett in it. I'm uh, not that I don't love Brett, but you know, I, I was, I was just a huge fan. I just like, I liked preparing to win, like, pre- like preparation was my, that's where I got all my confidence from. So I was just always, I just always loved that part of the game. I always loved the fact that I could go into the weight room or go out on the field and just kind of work harder than everybody else. And like that's that's what I wasn't as talented, maybe as some other guys, but I felt like that's what could separate me. Um, as, so I have a ton of like really great just experiences and and kind of bu- building respect and trust with other people through those mechanisms. Right. Not necessarily what happened on the field on game day, but the stuff that happened on the practice fields right? and, and in the weight room. Um, as far as practice field stuff goes, man, I, I got to tell you the the best feelings I think are. or the things you you remember most is are like when you go up against like a John Randall for the first time or you go play a Warren Sapp for the first time you play these really high level guys and how excited you are to go you know test yourself against the world's best and and see how you st- and hold up and then you you know as you as as I went through my career and you and you kind of I elevated to a pretty high level in in the National Football League as far as guard play and now people are coming to try to test themselves test them you know test themselves against you and, you know, playing against a Chris Jenkins and an Albert Haynesworth later on to Tommy Harris for Chicago. Like, those, I just love those matchups. I just remember I just had such a it was such a um, you're so anxious before in, in the buildup and you spend so much time thinking about how, how am I going to defeat this person? And, uh, and then you go through the moment. It's like those are that's where like everything kind of comes together, win or lose. But like those experiences, there's just nothing like it. Like there's nothing like confrontational sports especially in something where it's like, I know there's a one V one matchup. I know at some point during this game, it's going to come down to, can I do my job against you or can you do it better against me? We're like dance partners and trying to figure out who can dance better, man. I think there's just some, just something really primal and awesome about that.
0: Was there any of those, those guys you mentioned that was like your favorite to go against somebody you looked maybe it was a relationship you had with the person. Maybe it was the trash talk that kind <clears> of <throat> went, you know, during the game or anything like that.
1: Uh, well, I, John Randall was the first guy that I was just blown away by. He was like, a, you know, he's a peak John Randall. I was coming into the league; So my second year, was the first time I played him, and I was way out. Of, I was, you know, I was way out on the deep end against a guy like that at that point. But the, I, you know, I held up pretty well, to be honest with you. Um, the guy that I kind of just had the best relationship with, I played against Chris Jenkins in Carolina when he was with Carolina, you know, his first couple of years. And I just remember very specifically my last year in Green Bay, we played him on Monday Night Football. And the first game of the season, we went down there, we played Chris and they had Chris, Dan Morgan, Will Witherspoon, Julius Peppers, uh, Brenton Buckner. I mean, they're stacked. Mike Rucker, stacked. Mike Minter, stacked on defense. I mean, stacked. Like, you look at the San Francisco Forty to right, right now, that level of talent. Ridiculous. And I remember we won that game and we run. We ran the ball pretty well. And I just remember we're all sitting in the locker room after the game and we got up on the John Madden, you know, like players of the game, the, play, you know, the offensive line and everything. And I remember we were kind of looking around going, like, it's not going to be any harder than it was tonight. Like, that was the hardest thing we're going to have to do this entire year. And then I went and I – in the offseason, I was a free agent. And, you know, my agent, they call you up and they go, like, you know, what's your wish list? Where do you want to go? If you don't want to stay here, where do you want to go? And I was like, man, I want to go to Carolina. I want to play with those guys. I've never had a defense like that. So then I got to play against Chris every day in practice. And I remember I was probably – until I got hurt my, you know, halfway through that second year in Carolina, I was, I felt like literally nobody could beat me. I didn't feel like nobody could bull rush me. Nobody could do anything against me because I got to play against that dude every day in practice. It's like, it's never going to be harder than playing against Chris Jenkins in practice every day. And I know that we had a real high level of mutual respect for one another.
0: That's awesome. All right. So NFL 11 year career, a lot of stops along the way. And we always ask our, our coaches that we interview, like, if we're coming to your city, where do we mm-hmm. got to stop and eat? Like, what's the place that we got to stop and eat? Uh, but for you, what was the this, this NFL town that had the best food stops? You're like, hey, I can't wait to get to that place because w- there's that one place we like to go eat at.
1: Oh, geez. I mean, honestly, there's so many. Uh, okay, so, well, I, I, played in, I played in Green Bay. Not going to be on the top of the list. Carol- Carolina's got... Decent food, but it's kind of you know it's it's got decent, it's got some good barbecue. I played in Seattle. Seattle's got the best for me, the best seafood going right. I, I absolutely love it. If they're Pike's Place Market, I mean, I used to you used to go to Pike's Place Market and buy. There's a very specific one of the fish throwing places that you can buy smoked salmon from. You know, that is, I mean, I I would ship it to my house now if you know, if I was you know ambitious enough. It's so good, but I think if you're going to a town and you just want to eat really well. I'll tell you a story. We go to, we go to, we're going to go play Dallas, right? And so we go to, we go to Ruth Chris Steakhouse in Dallas. We walk in in the front and they got the, the, the tank full of lobsters. And Marco Rivera, his dad was a butcher. So he could, when I say this guy could eat meat, I mean, he could just eat and eat. And he was like 305 pounds. He was a big guy, but he's not that big. I mean, he could out eat anybody. So I remember we, I think he bought, I want to say it was like a 60 ounce porterhouse. I mean, the thing was like, it was disgusting. And we said, listen, if you if you, it's like yeah, I ate the old 96er with John Candy right? Great Outdoors, you go, if you eat this and all the sides, plates clean, we're buying you dinner. You know, and he this guy ate this damn 60 some odd ounce porterhouse steak, mashed potato, everything, licked the plate clean <laughs> and like asked for more food. I think he had a lobster after that. You know, it was like
0: one of those deals. So it wasn't that, a game that, the next day, was it?
1: Oh, no, there was a game the next day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> didn't even, they had, didn't phase them at all. Didn't phase them at all. You know, it has another, here's another place. There's a, there's a place in Minnesota, I forgot the name. I think it's Roses. Has the best pork chop in the country. Unbelievable. That's the thing. If you're a fat guy playing in the NFL, life is pretty good, man, because every place you go, you're going to eat well.
0: How about Kansas City? Barbecue there? You know,
1: the problem with Kansas, there's no problem with the, when you go to Kansas City, <clears throat> first of all, I don't think I actually played there during my NFL days. Kansas City always came to Green Bay. But having gone there since, they always send you – there's a couple places that are off the beaten path that are unbelievable. They always send you like Jack Stacks, which is a good place, but it's kind of touristy. You know, it's like you're kind of getting the same. There's a couple places off the beaten path in Kansas City that are amazing that are like feeding you out of a brown paper bag. Those are the spots you want to go. Um, but listen, if you, like if you want to eat well, it's like – where are you gonna get, Where are you gonna go? That's better than like San Diego, Seattle, Balt. You go to Baltimore, you eat like a king. If you like seafood, you eat like a king. I mean, Miami. I know you're making me hungry. That's yeah. There's that, there's some good eats out there.
0: That was what we learned when we went to Army Navy. Was uh, you know, everybody talks about the Philly cheesesteak, and they send you to the commercialized place. But the like Patentinos. you said. Yeah. yeah, but you want the that Philly cheesesteak, you got to go find the guy that's like making it out of the back of a truck or you know or, or some place yep. that some mom and pop star that that doesn't have any billboards up and you can barely read the sign then you know you found the right spot. Uh last question tonight for you Mike, what advice do you have for for the guys out there that they they just want to make an impact in the game of football? You know, you've done that whether you're playing career, what you're doing post post career now with the, with your new uh job. But how, what do you What's your advice to make an impact where you are? It's a really thoughtful question.
1: Um hold yourself, you know, there's there's a there's a there's a saying, um, and I I can't remember the the author, but it's it's be patient with others and strict with yourself the Stoics I think might be Seneca, be patient with others and strict with yourself. And <clears throat> I think in the in the in the sport of football or you know anything you want to do, any competitive endeavor, you really have to understand and embrace what it takes to be kind of the best at what your you, whatever your requirements are, whether you're a coach like like for example, coaching is a great example, right if it, the the primary job of a coach, is is to is to help develop the confidence in their athletes so that they can perform at their best on game day. That is the primary objective of a coach. Everything else is a con- is 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 of that consequence. Whether it's the hours in meetings, whether it's your, the 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 way you put together your practice schedule, the way you communicate, the way that you you the way that you you know you, you think about their the the learning the learning styles of all your different athletes are they, you know, kinesthetic, can auditory, visual, et um, the, the The way that you take time to make sure they have room after practice to work on their own individual techniques, the way you teach them how to study film so they can study film like a master poker player. I mean, from recovery to all the ownership decisions they make off the field, all of that stuff is to develop the confidence that it takes to play at the highest level so they can be the best version of themselves. So you can be the best version of yourself, right? And what i see a lot i think across in different sports with different at different age levels is that we for either coaches athletes we kind of get away from just being the absolute best we can at the very basic core what you know what drives us why we got into this in the first place we let all the other stuff kind of get in the way we let it take our time so for me it's like be the absolute best you can at the basic version of what you're supposed to be. Do it as well as you can and then don't be selfish with your information. Don't be selfish with your time. Give as much as you can. Never be afraid that somebody's going to take your information and run with it, man. If somebody can do your job better than you, then they deserve your job. You know, but never be afraid that someone's going to take it from you because you're you're giving out information. If the information is worthwhile, it's going to help people in your environment excel, man be a giving person, give as much as you can. And just to, you know, again, be patient with others, hold yourself to a really high standard.
0: That's great advice. I think there's so many coaches that are so secretive of what they do. Yeah. And, and I think like we, we aren't each other's enemies, right? Like we should be helping each other out. And quite honestly, if, if I give some information that makes another coach better, and then I have to get better because that guy got better, that makes our team better, right? Like, like you only get better by, by, going against quality opponents quality team merit coaches whatnot um so like we're, we should all be working to help each other out there's so many secretive guys in, in the college ranks and and the pros too but where they they're not going to share anything like, they wouldn't even share a yeah. snap count with you it's you know let alone a, a scheme or anything like that so it's uh i, I love that advice Mike, yeah I, it's oh go ahead yeah go ahead
1: well i, no, I, was, you know, you're good. I was just gonna say you, you see all different types and and You know, probably at the end, at the end of your life, you'll look back and you'll go, the people you respect the most. Like when, when I, when I, when I got done playing, the thing that I I had this moment when I was walking through the Carolina airport, you know, I I was, I looked like this. I didn't, I wasn't 300, you know, 300 pounds anymore. I looked like this. And I remember I saw this dude that I used to play against. It was never his teammate. It was a defensive guy that I used to play against and we just kind of passed each other in the airport and he just looked at me and he just gave me one of these you know like he looked me right in the eye and just kind of gave me the it was respect right and the, like for me when everything's all said and done that's all you got you got your reputation you got the respect that you've earned through your efforts and all the stuff we're talking about right now you're giving the secretive like that does nothing for you that might get you ahead now but like I don't know. I, I sometimes I get too philosophical with this stuff, but that's that's just how I think about life. Like if if you're not doing things to to promote what you love, then then why are we all here?
0: Awesome. Mike, I appreciate you taking time and coming on. I know that as a, a podcast about Wisconsin football, there's gonna be a lot of Packer fans that are gonna look forward to to hearing those names again, going back, you know, you, you say like Fonny Holiday and those guys and everybody remembers the Reggie whites, but like the, the guys are like, man, I remember Billy Lyons. Like you just remember watching those guys play as, you know, not, they weren't the face of the franchise, but they were right. cogs that make things go and and bring back some really good memories. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of Packer fans that listen to this and, and remember those. I know there's a lot of guys that, that remember you and Marco up front. And I think Tosh and Clifton, we're on the edges when you were there. Yep. Um, Mike
1: Flanagan in the middle. Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan. So,
0: yep. Yep. Should be a Packers Hall of Famer.
1: We'll keep going that going. Start that. Start that movement again.
0: I just saw Amon Green's ninety-eight yard run on on Twitter the other day. There, I don't know if it was the anniversary of it or whatnot, but the one against the Broncos. Oh, against the Broncos. The Broncos. Yep. Um, I, you know and I actually think I was what? What year was that? 02 or 04 I think I was supposed to be at that game, but my friend took his girlfriend instead of me. He took his girl- yeah. He took his girlfriend instead of me. So, uh, That's okay. he's still your yeah. friend. <laughs> uh well, he, he lives in like California. He's he's like Hollywood so, nowadays. So, so I I broke my hand in that game. So they so
1: they you remember the Broncos benched their guys at the at halftime because they were you know they were already in the playoffs, but they had a Trevor Payne who was a um, he was a Pro Bowl defensive tackle, and he did a cross chop on me, and I tried to punch him, and he hit my finger like this and he snapped my metacarpal and so i remember I, I had to go into the you know i had to go into the damn uh locker room and they they just put this big ball on there and gave me like two advil they like all right have at it so we go <laughs> back out you know I'm playing like man my hands broke you know and uh i had to play the rest of the playoffs like that so that's the year we went we lost the fourth and 26 game in, uh, against philly but uh that, that was that was probably the best packers team that i played on honestly that team was stacked yeah.
0: That was the year that Favre's thumb was hurt, right? Yep. And, and uh, you guys, yeah, we, yep. Yep. And you guys relied on the run. Like it was, I, I remember there's a game. I think it was <clears> versus Philly where he had like 97 yards, um, but but you were in the game because you guys ran the ball so there's well. My,
1: my, Monday Night Football, we had 250 yards on the ground and we ended up losing the damn game. And then we had 200 yards on the ground against them in the playoffs. We lost
0: that game too. <laughs> So I went to I went to West of Pier High School, which is right right by yeah. you know, um, and they would send some Packers over to work out with us in the off season. So we got oh, okay. Torrance Marshall, uh, David Martin, yeah. uh, Kevin yeah. Barry, and Rondell Maybe. Mealy was was the group of guys that would always come over and we'd play them in basketball and they'd be nice and we'd actually like be competitive because they were nice because yeah. you know they had contracts they didn't want to get hurt um yeah but if they would have but if they would have went hard i think i mean kevin barry was the biggest man i could ever see dunk a basketball um he was like 320 yeah. pounds
1: no he was like 350 pounds you're, <laughs> you're, being, you're being you're being generous yeah he was a big man he is a big man
0: awesome mike I, I again thanks for coming on i appreciate it and, and i think there's a lot of packer fans that look forward to hearing this one cool thank you Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the WFCA Fall Guys Podcast. We hope you join us again next week.